Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. The universe operates according to principles from God. These principles rule all of life, and one of these trumps all. This is a series about the fundamental principle. Good morning. How are you guys doing? All right, there you go. Welcome to Grace Life. We're in a series. We're actually wrapping up a series today that we've been in called The Fundamental Principle. And the idea of this series is uh, very, very simple. It's the idea that God has created the universe to operate according to certain principles. And life goes much better for you and me when we live according to those principles instead of fighting against them. And so this entire series is built on what I think is one of the most important, probably the most important, which would be the reason I've been preaching it the way that I have, because there is one that will seriously change our quality of life when we get it and start living according to it. And it's the principle of authority. Now, if you've been here, you've already had that shock the first week where I said that, oh, no, I don't want to talk about authority. Nobody wants to talk about authority. Plus, when someone says, I would like to to speak to you, or even worse, I would like to preach to you about authority, what you think is coming is one of those cultic kind of statements that says, I'm in charge, do what I say. But if you've been here through the series, I haven't said that, right? Y'all just back me up. Have have y'all been here? Are you listening? Like... Like, do you listen online when you're after? Let's try this again. If you've been listening to the series, I haven't said that, right? And I'm not going to say it today. What I'm talking about is God's authority, not just my authority or anything else. But I've been saying this. It's the the cornerstone. Uh, Jesus is the cornerstone of your life. But this is the cornerstone of the series. And that is that authority is the most fundamental principle in the universe. You can't violate it. You will never win if you do. So as we've been talking about authority throughout the series, we know a couple of things. So far, this is what we know. First and foremost, to have authority in your life, you have to be under authority, right? All the authority that we have, all the authority that we live in is delegated to us from God. God is the ultimate authority over everything. And when we leave God's authority, we lose ours. That's where our frustrations begin. And just to make sure you remember this, it is not an equal battle between God and Satan. The only authority Satan has is what we have given to him, and we can only give to him what God has given to us, which in no way is equal to all the authority that God has. Remember, Satan belongs in his place. That deserved an amen. If You guys know you have an enemy? I don't know. I'm just going to get on you today. I don't know. I'm just in one of those moods. We have an enemy who's, this is not in the notes, but we have an enemy who's after your life. And when I tell you that he has only the authority you've given him, and I'm going to tell you how to take it back, that should be a little bit exciting, just so you know. Maybe it's just because of the week I've lived. I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. I'm a little pumped because I'm a little irritated with the enemy at the moment. Number two that we've learned so far is that our desire for authority is not all bad. That's the other thing you expect. When somebody says, I want to talk to you about authority, they sit you down and say, you need to submit. You should not want to have authority. That's not the case at all. There is a a little bit in every one of us that says, I want to be in charge because I just want to do what I want when I want. Okay, I'll grant that. We need to lay that at the feet of Jesus. But for the most part, our heart and our desire for authority comes from the fact God made us that way. We already looked and and discovered that the very beginning in Genesis, God gave us dominion, and we're supposed to live in that. Deep inside, we know that we're created for that. And it frustrates us 
to see Satan have the dominion in our lives that we're supposed to have. The last thing we learned is this idea of spiritual authority. This battle that's going on is we live in a tension between the already and the not yet. Jesus has died on the cross. It's all done, but yet Jesus has not returned. And so we live in an era where something is done, but we don't experience it every day on a daily basis. And what we see is the battle for authority. Satan thinks that he can have authority. God has already removed it. He continues every day to practically remove it. And we live in the tension as we reassert every single day God's authority in our world. So most of our life frustrations, however, maybe all of them, maybe all of them are actually about authority. We simply want to have what God intends for us. We're doing one of two things. We're suffering either under the consequences that we naturally get because we've left God's authority. You guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to go there. Just sometimes that's the way it works. But another part of what we experience is this battle I was just talking about. We simply are caught in the middle of the battle. I told you I'd tell you about kind of the week I've had. I've had a week at most maybe 10 days where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. You guys ever had one of those times in your life? You know, and, and look, I'm not one of those guys that believes that every time you get a flat tire, a demon put a nail in your driveway. Matter of fact, I tend to tell those people to shut up, you know, just stuff happens sometimes. You live on planet Earth. If you get a new roof, a nail will fall off. It'll be in the driveway. You'll get a flat tire. Go on with life. But the way that my week has been going has not been one of those kind of things. And the only reason I'm telling you about that is because I've spent three weeks now trying to tell you that the authority the enemy has taken from you, he should not have, and we can have it back. And I should have thought about this before I started this mess. The enemy doesn't want you to hear it, and guess who takes the brunt of that? So I don't want this to sound narcissistic, but please get something out of this because it has been a dearly high price paid for you to learn this. No joke. You, you know how you have an emergency fund? Okay, my emergency fund was done on the first day. I think this week alone has cost me about $10,000 with everything that could go wrong. I have a wife that needs a root canal and a crown, a son that needs four wisdom teeth removed, another son that broke his arm, and a car that no longer works, all in a week. All in a week. Because I wrote a message that said, I'm going to tell you how to kick the enemy's butt. In case you were wondering, do I need to pray for my leaders? I didn't get a prayer request from my pastor this week. Maybe he's fine. You always need to pray for your leaders because they're taking it. So anyway, I don't want that to seem narcissistic. I just want you to understand the enemy doesn't like what we're talking about. So we're going to look at the final piece today. The final piece of this series, I want you to remember the point of this series is not to discourage you over the authority you've lost, but to encourage you as to how we're going to take it back. It's what God wants for us. God wants us to have powerful lives, what he originally intended when he gave Adam all dominion. His goal is for us to take that back. So I'm wrapping up the series today. Here's the final thought on the series. Our integrity determines the true measure of our authority. Do you agree with that? Our integrity determines the true measure of our authority. We call this moral authority. If you've been here throughout the series, I've been using terms, trying not to like, you know, go over the head, but we've used the authorities of like jurisdictional authority. In every jurisdiction, someone has authority. God has given you a jurisdiction, and in that jurisdiction, you have authority. 
We've also talked about and will talk about today how God has given you positions, and in those positions you have authority. But all of that is backed up by the idea that you have to have moral authority. You have to be what you are supposed to be and what you say you are. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in, in the first chapter of Mark today. If not, it's going to be on, my screen, on the screen. My screen, it is my screen. I'm just kidding. It's going to be on the screen right behind my head. And we're looking at, at an exchange where someone recognized the authority in Jesus' life. And so we're going to start in verse 21. And it says, And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue, and he was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority. Not as the scribes do. And what I need you to understand, the scribes were the experts. Like when we write sermons, we go and we study what all the scholars have said about these verses. The people who have studied Greek longer than I've been alive or studied Hebrew longer. Or they've lived in all of these cultures and they understand or they've become experts on Jewish culture. And we want to know what those experts say about this so that we can get just a little bit of insight to share it with you. The scribes were the experts then. The scribes were the ones who actually wrote down the law, the ones that Jesus would stand up and read. The scribes were the one who taught the law. If Jesus wasn't there, the scribes were the one who would tell you, no, this is what God says. This is how you should apply your life. And here's what the people noticed. This guy isn't like them. These are the greatest experts. They've written the law out so many times. They've taught the law so many times. They know what God expects so well. But there's something different about him. He actually seems to be teaching with eloquent words. He's teaching with great visual aids. He's teaching with really good graphics on the screen. The only thing they noticed about Jesus is that he was teaching with authority. Well, guess what? He kicked up a little attention too. I'm not the only one. I think I'm in some good company here. And immediately, Okay, everybody just noticed there is something about him. There's authority in his life that's different. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? I don't know, that's not my good demon voice. Do I? Is there a better one? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. They recognized who he was. There was something different about who he was in his core, in his being, in his integrity. Do you understand the word integrity means that as we cut through the layers, as we get deeper and deeper and deeper, that the greater integrity an object has is when its core is just like it's outside. When they talk about the integrity of a piece of concrete or the integrity of a jewel, Right As you begin to cut through the jewel, you look on the outside and go, this could be a really nice ruby. But as they begin to cut, they discover as they go deep in that it's actually cracked and it's shattered. And what they saw on the outside is not what they see on the inside. And they'll say it has less integrity. So as we get core, more to the core of your being and discover you actually are what you look like you are, or you are what you say you are, or you actually are what you pretend to be, we say that has integrity. So that's why this phrase, you are who you are, actually has something to do with integrity. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit immediately convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? It's a new teaching with authority. 
You see, they recognized that there was something different about Jesus, that he wasn't just walking up and saying, hey, I've got a really good sermon for you guys today. Hey, I've tried to be a pretty good person. So, hey, uh, demons, if you would, please be quiet. You see, the reason Jesus was able to teach the word with authority is because the Bible tells us Jesus was the word that became flesh. That means he was what he was teaching about. When he was talking about how to follow God, he was the epitome of that. When he was talking about how to surrender your life to the will of God, we see that when he died on the cross, he was the epitome of that. When we talk about Jesus showing sacrifice and and being kind and being gentle in the face of persecution or when someone doesn't like you, forgiving them, he was living the very words. Two questions for you and me. What does it mean to teach with authority? Simply what I was saying. He lived what he preached. There was no contradiction inside of him. He was exactly what he said he was. And here's the second question I want us to ask, because I think this is interesting. What did the demons recognize? Did the demons recognize his face when he walked up? Do you think they were saying, oh, watch out. Jesus, dude, is here. wonder if he's going to notice we're living inside this man. Or do you think, maybe based upon the way it plays out in the story, that what they recognized was they were in the midst of the authority of God? Do you think they recognized him for his face or for his authority? Same two questions for you and me. When we preach what we preach... Now, some of you are looking at me like, I don't preach. You preach. What you do for a living. I don't preach. Leave me alone. You preach. Every single day you preach. You got a fish on your car or a Grace Life Church bumper sticker on your car? You're preaching as you drive down the road. I probably should remove mine just to be honest. I have to admit, the least Christian time of my life is behind the wheel of a car. But that's because there are so many sinners behind the wheel of a car All right, anyway, we'll get off of that one. When you preach what you preach, and I promise you everything about your life is a message. Everything is. Are you a living example of what you say? Are you who you say you are? Do you live what you do? Or are you actually filled with contradictions? And then you begin to explain why sometimes we face the struggles we face. And the second question that we asked about Jesus, we should ask about ourselves. Do the demons of hell... And the angels of heaven recognize you because of the authority you walk in? Are they afraid of you? I believe this. If we only knew who we really were, if we only knew the authority God intended for us to have, if we only knew the position that God created us for, I think it's Satan's greatest fear that we'll ever figure that out. Satan doesn't want you to know. He wants you to keep thinking. You are just a little old nobody. You are created accidentally. It's a biological thing. There was no great God who created the universe who took time to think about you. That's why you're different from the person beside you. No, 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 no. That couldn't possibly be it. And even if there were such a God, you are so far from him. You are such a sinner that you should just lay on the floor and hide your face. You are nothing you can do. That's what Satan wants you to believe. But let me tell you, here's who you really are. You are God's prized creation. He loves you above those angels that you revere so much. 
God created every single one of us individually and uniquely with a special set of gifts and talents, with a certain look about you, with a certain heritage for a very specific purpose. There is no one on planet earth that's supposed to just exist until your time is up. You are here created to do something that actually moves forward the kingdom of God. That's life purpose. That's who you are. And God intends for you to know that you are the child of God who can walk into a situation and say, because I am here, the kingdom of God has come into this place. I represent the one who lives on high. And devil, you will back the truck up. He does not want you to know that. He's afraid that you may actually stand your posture up straight and walk into a place saying, I know who my daddy is. I know what he did to you thousands of years ago. I know who my big brother is. You just wait. You just wait. It's the enemy's greatest fear. You see, God gives us positions. Not only does he create us, he puts us in places like being a parent or maybe being a coach, being a teacher, being a boss, being a military officer or commander, being a big brother. Yeah. It just goes to all levels, being a big sister, being a mentor, being a neighbor. All of these positions are supposed to come with influence. And if they come with influence, these positions are supposed to come with authority. The problem that we run into is that our degree of authority is determined by our integrity. You see, here's the thing. Parents who have more, parents will have more spiritual authority over their children to pray for their kids than me. People come to me all the time. Husbands sometimes will come to me with their spouse. Hey, my wife is, is sick. She's having all these problems. Can you pray for her? Yeah, yeah, I'll be happy to pray for her. The question is, are you praying for her? You have more authority to pray for your spouse than I do. I can just say, hey, God, you know, like I'm a pastor dude, and like one of those people that calls me their pastor would like me to beseech you on their behalf. But you get to say, I am a child of God, and this is the wife you have given me. This is my spouse. The two of us are one, and the enemy has no right in her life because you've put me here. As a parent, you have the same right to do that, to say this has no place in my home because I am the authority that you've given me. God has given us these positions, unfortunately, in case, because all of you right now, it's computing in your head, but that doesn't work perfectly. Yes. And unfortunately, because we've given away our authority by giving away our integrity. I'll give you an example. I used to teach. You guys know that if you've been around. And one of the first teaching jobs I had was a pretty cool situation as far as a teacher goes. There was a brand new school being opened up, and I got to be one of those teachers opening a brand new school. And it was a middle school. When you get to open a brand new school, you get to decide everything. You get to decide what the mascot is, and you get to decide what the motto is, and you get to decide all of those things. You also get to decide what is the culture and the DNA of the school, how's it going to operate? And we had a couple of teachers that wanted to, to think that if we let middle school kids kind of do what they wanted to do, they would be better students in the end. Yeah, that was a joke. So they were proposing that we let kids eat wherever they want, whenever they want. Like if you're in the middle of math class, oh, hey, you know, let me just pop a soda here because I'm kind of thirsty, you know, and, 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 and they could just do this anytime, anywhere. Well, that got a little bit of like 30 seconds before we all shot it down. But these teachers thought, we're right. We're going to prove we're right. 
So when school started, they got their students in their little group and said, here's what was going to happen. Okay, you know that the school says you can't chew gum and you can't eat and all that kind of stuff. Well, here, in our classroom, you can do that. In our classroom, you can do what you would like to do because we believe that if we respect you and let you do what you want to do, you will be a good student. And all of the first day of school, tears are like, the students are like, yeah, that's great. How do you think that went? Let me give you a clue in life. If you're ever doing anything against God and people are with you, they are not with you. They are with themselves, and they appreciate the fact that you're letting them do what they want. It wasn't but a, a few days into the school year before these teachers were frustrated the students wouldn't be quiet when the teachers wanted them to be. The students wouldn't do the assignment in the amount of time the teachers wanted it done in. Because the, the students were no fool. Who are you going to go to? You've already defied the principle. You've already said you don't follow the rules of the school. Why should we follow your rules? Who do you think you are? You see, when we step outside, we lose our authority. Now, listen, students in the room, I don't know, there may not be many because they're all doing the gym ignite weekend. They'll all be at the second service, but let's just pretend there's a couple. You may think I'm at the bottom of the list. I have no authority I get told what to eat, what to wear, what time to go to bed, when to do my homework. I don't even need to listen to this message. This has nothing to do with me. Wrong. I can promise you this. When it comes to your future right now, you are greatly determining your authority in the future by your response to authority today. It's one of those biblical principles called sow and reap. And it's, if there's anything I could tell teenagers over and over and over again, and more importantly, even now, in the present, you're supposed to have authority over the enemy. In your home, in your friendships, in your school, you're supposed to be able to walk in authority. But if you are not under any authority, if you sneak behind your parents' back and do everything you're not supposed to do, if you know some of what this says and you refuse to do that, then don't be surprised that you go to school and life is miserable. How much authority you have in your life as a student is up to you. Our integrity determines the true measure of our authority. Our integrity determines the true measure of our authority. You see, when it comes to authority over Satan, or when it comes to authority on earthly positions, all of it's based upon integrity. There's a really awesome story in the Bible. You may know this. It's, it's a story about these seven sons who were the sons of a priest. They were a high priest, and they had been given a position. Okay, follow this, because I told you that a position comes with a degree of authority, but the degree of that authority is determined by your actual integrity, right? Y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Okay, just, you know, I'm a teacher. I know you see the glazed look. All right. So here's what happened. Their dad was a high priest. That's a high position. Should come with a lot of authority. And then they were exorcist. That should come with a pretty high degree of authority. It was a specialized position within the, the ministry that the Jewish people had back then. And so they were watching Paul. You guys remember Paul? This was a guy who had an amazing encounter with Jesus and became a follower of Jesus and began teaching about Jesus. Paul had such integrity after what had happened to him. In other words, it hit him to his core because you have to remember Paul was crucifying. He was killing Christians. 
And so he had a personal encounter where God knocked him and blinded him and left him that way for three days and sent a prophet to him to tell him what he had done with him. So that didn't just kind of go with a surface, oh, I'll be nice to Jesus and go to church on occasion. It went deep into his heart. He became a completely different person, abandoned everything that he used to have and began to go the way of what he used to persecute, believing he would probably be dead within the week. I mean, after all, he was on the team that killed people. And he knew his team and thought they were pretty effective. It went to his core. Because it went to his core, that if anybody even touched clothing that he touched, demons ran from them. They were healed of their diseases. That's integrity. That's moral authority. So back to the seven sons of the priest. They watched Paul. And they saw what Paul was doing. Well, they're exorcist, and it doesn't work. Somebody just touches Paul's handkerchief and the demons go running. So they tried this. They went to the house of a demon-possessed man and they said, all right, demons, in the name of that Jesus that Paul knows, we command you to come out. It's a funny story. Y'all should be laughing already if you know how the story goes. Because they had no integrity. And the demon said, I know who Paul is. I don't know who you think you are. Because you are a Jewish exorcist. You don't follow Jesus. Let me show you what I think of you. And so this one man climbed upon these seven guys and beat them to a pulp, ripped their clothes off, and they went running naked through the streets, all bruised and bloody. That's what will happen. That's what will happen. So if your integrity is compromised, your authority is compromised. Well, that would be the bad news. Here's the good news. How do we fix it? Incredibly simple. Fix our integrity issues, and I'm going to make this as simple as I can. This is not a three-point sermon. This is not something you can't do. Here is all you have to do. If you want to walk in the authority God intends for you, if you want to fix what's wrong in the core, it's this simple. Be real about who you are and let Jesus change your life. Stop trying to pretend. Stop trying to be something you're not. Stop thinking that the number of times you go to church, please do keep coming back. Stop thinking that the number of times you go to church is going to make the enemy scared of you. Stop thinking that the size of a check you write, although write big ones, that's fine, (laughs) makes the enemy scared of you. None of that has anything to do with the enemy. You want to put the enemy in his place in your life, then you need to let Jesus be as big in you as possible. Because here's what is a way that makes this work. When you've got something going on like I've got going on this week, I don't stand up and say, hey, who do you think you are? Maybe I could. Maybe I should. But here's what I do, and I'm going to suggest you do the same. Hey, do you know who lives in me? Don't worry about me at the moment. But when you beat up on me, you beat up on him. Hey, Jesus, have you been watching lately what's happening to me? Jesus. If there's anything in me that has allowed this, please deal with it. And in the meantime, can you show up and deal with Satan because he's really getting on my nerves. Y'all can get that offline, write it down, scribe it, and that's how you handle it. Be real about who you are. It starts by calling out the contradictions between who you actually are and who people think you are on Sunday morning at church. I mean, seriously, we do have to call that out. It starts by confronting the hypocrisy in your life. It starts by confronting the sin in your life that has given the enemy the right to mess with you that you think is no big deal. You have given him the keys to your life, and then you're mad at God. 
Take the keys back. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to live according to your ways. Here's the truth. I need you to hear this. The enemy does not want your position. The enemy wants your authority. He would love for you to keep your position with no authority. The enemy does a happy dance when he finds parents that are such hypocrites that they have no authority to pray for their kids. He loves parents who take their kids to church, but they don't actually live what they expect their kids to do. The enemy loves bosses or leaders or teachers or commanders or whatever the position is who say one thing and do another because then the people under don't have to follow. The enemy loves the fact that there are human beings living less than God created them to be, holding positions of influence all over the planet to advance the kingdom, and yet they're devoid of the authority to do so because they're not being who God called them to be. He's after who you are at the core. And for some of us, we've lost a battle, but I want you to take it back. And you start taking it back. Watch out for the integrity checks. You see, temptation will come from the enemy. Or an opportunity will come from God. They often look one and the same. But I promise you this. Every single one of them is an opportunity for one of two things. Either increased authority from God or a loss of authority to the enemy. Did you hear that? Every one of them is an opportunity for an increase of authority from God or a loss of authority to the enemy. It's simple stuff. When somebody hands you too much change, it's simple stuff. When you get mad and blow up in front of your teenager, yeah, they might have done something wrong. Just say, you know what, I'm sorry. I lost, lost my temper. It's really simple stuff. It's not that big. It's the everyday little things. For us, here's the inspiration. It starts with Jesus. You see, he has all authority. He's always had all authority. Pilate tried to threaten Jesus. Don't you know I have the authority to kill you? <laughs> Jesus looked at him and said, look, I have all authority over my life. You only have the authority God has loaned to you for this event. And Jesus has given all authority to us. The enemy would love for you to forget that that's in the Bible. Do you follow Jesus? Is Jesus king of your life? You don't have to shout out, but seriously, I want you to think for yourself to a moment. Is Jesus the king of your life? Here's what Jesus told his disciples. All authority has been given to me. Now, go in that same authority. And it's not because you're perfect. If you've heard that today, you've missed it. You don't have the authority of Jesus in your life because you're perfect. You have the authority of Jesus in your life because you're humbly submitted to him. And you admit where you're wrong. You see, as long as we're humble in that, as long as we are daily becoming more like him, his grace will cover our mistakes and his authority will abound in our lives. I don't know about you, but I've had enough suffering under the hand of the enemy. Anybody else? Let's take back 
our integrity, because our integrity determines the real value of our authority. Amen? Amen. Every week here at Grace Life, we close out by making sure you know the ultimate truth. The ultimate truth is that Jesus Christ should be the cornerstone of your life. He died on the cross paying the ultimate price, paying the ultimate price, a price you'll never have to pay and a price you never could have paid. It's not about going to church. It's not about anything else. It's about surrendering lordship of your life to him, making him king. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that here this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you would, just pray with me. Would you all pray with me? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for redeeming me. I thank you that you paid a price I could never pay. And my simple hope, my simple prayer today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen and amen. Let's celebrate with those people. That is the best thing that has ever happened to them. If you would stand with me, we are going to worship our King, Jesus. He deserves our glory. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.